You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is a podcast from Minute Media. He's not lying about man, that. CP can't guard nobody, man. Everybody in the NBA know that. Guard, everybody can't know guard that. Anybody. What we call them? Cone. You know what you do with cones? Like when in the summertime, you got a cone. You make a move. What does the cone do? Stay still. Exactly. Yeah. He's a cone. Stop playing, man. Everybody that right. knows that. Everyone knows that. That's Patrick Beverly on this morning's Get Up. I am Kyle Coster. This is the Kyle Coster Show presented by The Big Lead. What a Monday morning as... A cornucopia of Game 7s across the NHL and NBA combined to make it a memorable sports weekend. But one story has risen to the top, and that is the Phoenix Suns' disastrous performance in Game 7 of a Western Conference semifinal series against the Dallas Mavericks. Have you ever, in your entire life, seen anything like it? The final score, 123 to 90, belies what actually happened in the game. And what actually happened was one of the most embarrassing, lifeless, pathetic performances a team has ever displayed in a Game 7 at home. And I know this because I sat there dumbfounded, perplexed, awestruck, spellbound, watching the deficit grow and grow and grow. I watched empty possession after empty possession from the Suns. I watched Luka Doncic score 27 first half points to match the total posted by the entire Phoenix team. Guess what, Suns fans? All year you've been bitching and moaning that nobody is talking about your team, that they are not getting the national press and recognition that they deserve. Be careful what you ask for because you just might get it. Everybody is talking about the Suns this morning, piling on, punching them when they are down. And I have to say, this is one of the few cases in sports where a team that is getting absolutely pilloried deserves it and some. At a certain point with the score, sitting Dallas 75, Phoenix 34, midway through the third quarter, You wondered if the walk-ons were going to come in for both teams in a Game 7. The Phoenix crowd, stunned, pissed, aggravated, lashing out, trying to find answers, was left with no other recourse but to boo the team that had delighted them for five or six months as they headed to halftime facing a 30-point deficit. 
Charles Barkley had nothing to say at halftime. Let me repeat. Charles Barkley had nothing to say at halftime. When you have rendered Charles Barkley speechless, you have accomplished the impossible. Beverly got up early, set his alarm clock for an ungodly hour, made his way to the seaport in New York City solely to dunk on Chris Paul, to laugh at the Suns, and honestly, who can blame him? How in the actual hell do you not show up for a Game 7 in your own building? It doesn't even make sense. But, just like in Knives Out, it compels me, though. Chris Paul's legacy. Tattered. Ruined. Done? Chris Paul's legacy. Took a hit. Chris Paul's legacy. Who will defend him? Chris Paul's legacy. What is it? I'll venture a thought there. Chris Paul's legacy is someone who just doesn't have it when it matters. We have been hearing for 10 years how he has been on the receiving end of some bad luck. How if certain things had gone the other way, he wouldn't be in this position. Why, in a just world, he would have an NBA title. In a just world, he would have more than one NBA Finals appearance. Well, Chris Paul played like Cliff Paul. In fact, Cliff Paul may have been an upgrade. It took almost until halftime for either Paul, Devin Booker, or DeAndre Ayton to make a field goal in a Game 7 at home with everything riding on it. Choke job. No other way to say it. I reserve that word for the very rare occasion that it applies. Last night was a total choke job. There is no defense for it. Was Luka Doncic the best player in basketball? Yes. Can anybody stop him? I don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because you knew you were going to get that effort from Luka. What we didn't know is that the Suns were going to go fishing a game early. That the Suns were going to go down to Cabo immediately. That the Suns were more interested in the regular season than the playoffs. An abomination. And one that I don't understand how they recover from. Because how does that team come back next year? How does it look its fans in the eyes? How does it take the lessons learned, presumably, and apply them for next year? Because much like the media member who questioned Monty Williams after the game, wondering where was the maturity, where was the growth, where were the lessons gleaned from an NBA Finals disappointment put into practice this year, it's tough to imagine this making them stronger, this stealing their resolve. It's much easier to imagine this being the end of an era. Devin Booker, I got something for you too. I have been beating my chest talking about how you have an opportunity to become one of Grand Rapids' greatest athletes. I'm not so sure I think that anymore. Talking a lot of smack when you were leading in the series, trying to get under Lucas' skin, ultimate confidence shattered. When the lights were brightest, 
You were nowhere to be found. Devin Booker, amazing step back this year. Devin Booker could be something special. Devin Booker might not ever be anything special. The Suns are getting buried and rightfully so. You don't need me to pile on, but I will because good Lord, good Lord. Do you want to know how bad it was? It was bad enough for my wife to make a comment. The one sports comment she makes per year was used up last night when she walked in the room, took a gander at the score, gasped aloud, and asked me how the hell something like that happened. And I didn't have an answer for her because we have never, ever seen a team just stay in the locker room for a game seven at home. Credit Dallas. Credit the Mavericks for being a tougher team. Credit them for showing up to play. Credit them for lacing them up. Credit Luka Doncic for being the next Larry Bird. Credit Spencer Dinwiddie to rise above all the other bigger names in this series to be an impact player. Hell's freezing over, but let's credit Jason Kidd, a coach whose career looked to be in peril at a certain point, who we all looked at and wondered if he had the answers. His answer came in the form of bigger question marks from the Suns. Last night was a one-of-a-kind experience for viewers at home. To watch empty possession after empty possession, then to watch Luca with his step-back threes, talking trash, running his mouth, and rightfully so. To see a franchise die a public death and to have it be so gory and gruesome and pathetic, you couldn't look away. A car crash came. Once again, Chris Paul was the man behind the wheel. At 36 years old, his path to an NBA title has never seemed more arduous. My thought, he's never going to get there. And this will be the game, the coup d'etat, the one we all remember. This was the Chris Paul game. This was the Phoenix Suns game. This was a game seven that was heaven for Dallas and pure hell for 48 minutes from Phoenix. They say it's better to burn out than fade away, but I don't think anybody in Phoenix would agree with you. And now, as we do every single Monday, it's the International Baseball League of West Michigan post-game show for week three. I am here with Jeremy Stokes. Yet again, more action in the game for Jeremy out in right field. You look at his production compared with the middle-of-the-order guys, Ariel Sanchez, my best friend on the team. I'm calling you out, buddy. There was a discussion <laughs> in the dugout that Jeremy's stat line looks more impressive than the best hitter on our team. That's a good problem to have, and I think that's kind of the story for us yesterday. As the headline is Cubs 15, Power 3. We knew that we had a tremendously deep team, but yesterday we had 14 or 15 people in the dugout. I think pretty much everybody contributed 
found a way to do something to help us win. It was a pretty lopsided game, but I do think that the power, our first time playing them as a franchise team, they showed a little bit of resistance. And I was on the mound. I threw four innings, gave up three runs, could have been a little bit better. I was not particularly sharp. They're a good hitting team. I can tell you that if they get some pitching, they can compete in this league. I think we found out a lot about our team as a whole, perhaps more than we did in the first two games. Jeremy, what were your thoughts as we kind of breezed to a victory and as our schedule lines up for some more important games in these next few weeks? Yeah, I mean, I, I when I looked at the score and it was like 10 to 1, I was like, wait a second, how, how do they only have one and how do we have 10 right now? Uh, they definitely hit. Those guys can hit. Uh, and the pitching, you know, they, they had early pitching change, just some wildness from the starter. And, you know, that's, that's one of those things about good teams. When you get a lot of walks, we're going to drive them in. So that was pretty much, it wasn't like we were shelling him early. Uh, it was just, you know, a lot of free base runners and that stuff adds up. Yeah. I thought, I mean, they've got some real athletes on that team. I don't know uh, what that shortstop's name is, but man, I could watch that guy play all day. He's fun to watch. I think they'll, I think they will compete. I think it's going to take a little bit of a little bit of pitching. They weren't really keeping anybody off balance. A lot of, a lot of really comfortable swings. So we got to win games you expect to win. And, and that was, that was another one with the Cardinals coming up next week. The biggest story for us is flicky. The high profile arm that we added in the off season after a year away from the game In the season opener, he came in in relief and was really bad. It was a performance he told me that he had never had in his entire life. He threw one inning last week, struck out the side. He threw three innings yesterday, accumulated eight strikeouts. So that's eight. I I couldn't remember whether it was seven or eight, but I was trying. I was trying to think of that this morning. Allowed one hit, so that is eleven strikeouts in his last four innings of work. And I was telling my dad this after the game, and I really believe it. If he pitches like that, we will win a championship. Absolutely. There's just no way. There's just no two ways about it. And that's what made his performance in the season opener so shocking because we had never yep. seen it before. But when he's on, I think that he's the best strikeout arm in the entire league. And if he's throwing strikes, then he's not going to give anybody free passes and you're going to have to earn your runs off him. And with our defense – which to yeah. this point of the season has been really good. I think improved from last year. You really kind of see what we have if that's a weapon because he presents so much flexibility for us, whether I'm going to start a game, whether he's going to start a game next week, he will get the nod against the Cardinals in a game that both teams really need. But I think if he has the ability to go four or five and he can go more as he works up, that is an arm that you put out there And it's an ace of not just our team, but the entire league. I was kind of blown away. The stats are what they are, but more impressive is what his pitches look like. Uh, Second base for me from right field for you. He was just blazing them in there, cutting up that inside corner with regularity. And then his breaking stuff was bending knees, causing a lot of embarrassing swings. A lot of guys who just wanted to get back to the dugout, go watch golf, do whatever they're doing the rest of the day. Your thought on Flicky's development and what that potential opens up for us going forward. Yeah. Well, I talked to him after the game and I, I just said, man, I, I don't think I've ever seen that many guys numbers 
in uh, in the batter's box that often. I mean, everybody's turning their back as that curveball is coming into their sh- you know to their left shoulder, and it's breaking over the heart of the plate, and they're diving out of the box, showing their numbers. It, I I was blown away, honestly. Uh, and he just said, he said, I, I feel like I'm back home. He's like, I, I didn't know where I was that, that first game. He's just like, it felt like another world. And he's like, these last couple, I, I just feel like I'm back home and I'm really excited. And that that's, uh, yeah, he's, he's real confident right now. And, uh, I, I'm glad I don't have to face him. Jeez. I mean, that's, uh, especially as a right hand, you know, a, a right-handed hitter. I just don't see how right-handed hitters have any chance against him right now it just looks yeah it's unfair and it's inspiring too because you don't think it's going to suddenly go away we saw it suddenly go away now it's back I think that I am sitting here three weeks into the season yeah would we like to be undefeated of course Um, that opening game could hurt us come seeding time when the playoff field is fully formed but I think I've seen exactly what we needed out of this team, because we talked before the last few weeks that you have two different versions of your team. You have your regular season team, and then you have your playoff team. You look at us come playoff time, potentially being able to throw five pitchers with confidence out there when it matters. No other team has that. I know we're going to get to this pretty quickly because our game was not the most interesting one around the league. The Cardinals have that, but I do think that, exactly what we needed to see we have seen and it will be a question of whether we're able to replicate that for the entire season there will be slumps there will be injuries people will be called away for family duty all that stuff but if we get our full team there come playoff games I feel confident installing us as a slight favorite even against the A's if Flicky's going to pitch like that so we're right where we need to be we're right where we need to be it was a small misstep but I have a lot more optimism for this season today than I did two weeks ago. Yeah. And I, I think uh, you mentioned earlier, the defense, the catching the ball pieces really, you know, if you can pitch and you can catch the ball, you're going to win a lot of games. And if you, <laughs> he doesn't need to strike out, you know, what nine out of 10 hitters uh, to be effective, uh, just soft contact will do when you have the kind of infield defense that we've had. And certainly, uh, you know, arms and some, some speed in the outfield. I, yeah, I put us up against just about anybody right now. Yeah. That, and that first game, it was cold. It's uncomfortable. It's the first game of the season. We're trying to figure out kind of where guys fit in the, in a fairly large roster. Uh, You know, there's, there's a lot to that game. And I think uh, that's, that's the kind of game that we'll look back on towards the end of the season and go, we're just getting our feet wet, man. We're just, just, getting rolling because that it's something that can be built off of. And I feel like it already has been, but we will definitely find out this week, the Cardinal starter, assuming it's the same guy who started yesterday, I believe he gave up one hit. So there's some pitching and uh, actually Cooper went to high school with him. So they, they, he has some right, asked him about it. And he just said, you know, when he was at his best in early college, he was in low nineties and good location. I remember his fastball as having a really good carry, you know, where you, you swing thinking it's going to be uh, in one spot. It's about three inches higher. Uh, that's, that's the kind of fastball he's got and his breaking stuff's good too. So I think uh, pitching matchup next week should be really fun. 
Yeah, why don't we get right into it and talk about the Cardinals who improved to three and O by beating yeah. the Marlins? That's a surprising result. The very yeah. surprising result, considering how the Marlins had been hitting the baseball. I think that the Cardinals have been so close the last two years, and you mentioned their pitcher, yeah. who throws harder than anybody in the league, has a really great curveball. His fatal flaw against us two straight years has been tiring early. If he has improved his stamina and he's able to go six or seven, that's a real problem for us and anybody yeah. else that's going to come into contact with him. So you look at this right now, the Cardinals move to three and oh, and the Marlins move to one and two. Those are two teams that are pretty equal on paper, but are moving in opposite directions. Yeah. Interesting stuff from, I talked to several Marlins players uh, this morning. They're frustrated right now. They're, they can't figure out why they're not hitting. And you know, and that, that happens generally in this league you don't see a team slump like heavy like that so uh i think it's really hard to to measure when they've had two really tough games back to back i mean the two games that they lost are both games that you know anybody can lose those games they're they're both against really good teams um i don't know how the cardinals defense was doesn't sound like they had to play a lot a lot of strikeouts so uh you know it's it's hard to know but the cardinals also hit four home runs yesterday. So if they're, you know, and I do remember from the last couple of years that they tend to hit, but if they've, if they're hitting like that, that's a different team. I don't, I don't remember any of that from last year. So um, if they're, if they're hitting like that and you know, and the Marlins have decent pitching. So that's, that's an impressive showing by the Cardinals. And I think that's a bit of a, uh, that's a bit of a statement win early, I would say. And the other statement victory was made by the White Sox, who had aspirations and belief that they could be a top four team in this league. They edge the Mariners. That moves the White Sox to three and oh, they are one of four undefeated teams in the league right now. And I'll tell you, there is real hope for optimism. I know that you watched that game. What were your impressions of the White Sox and how they matched up against the Mariners? Yeah, I mean, it's a young team. And there's a lot of energy in that dugout there and it's positive energy. I mean, there's some, you know, you see there's, there's a difference between a team that's just sort of out there and shouting and, you know, uh, talking a lot, which we've, you know, which we've seen, uh, this was more positive. They're back in their guys. These are a bunch of guys who played together in high school, mostly at, uh, Forest Hills central. And then a couple of other guys they added from travel ball teams that they'd been on. So it's, it's a team that has played together a lot. They like each other. They're having a good time. Uh, when I went over before the game and kind of told them, I was like, Hey, I'm sticking around to watch this game. Cause you, you guys are kind of the chatter right now. Everybody wants to know if you guys are actually good or not. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens today. And you know, they were excited to hear that. Um, they, uh, they want, you know, they want to be good and they want people to be, to know they're good. So, and that win, you know, it was a come, b- come from behind win. They, they got a ha- out ahead early. And Mariners ended up taking, like, I think it was a 4-3 lead going into the eighth. But then the White Sox come back with, uh, you know, I believe it was a two-out double to plate two to win the game. You know, they're uh, some clutch hitting there. So I'm excited, to, uh, I'm excited to face them, honestly. I thought their pitching looked good. Not going to blow you away with velocity, but again – it's like they they played together quite a bit 
Um, so there's some chemistry between catcher and pitchers for sure. That was, that was obvious. So I think they're definitely a team to contend with. And you can't oversell how important that is that chemistry, the teams that have been together for a long time in this league tend to do better than the teams that are thrown together at the last minute. They have an older coach. They kind of treat it more as like a travel ball or a high school experience, which I think can be a really big benefit when so much of the game is kind of takes place in the margins between the pass balls, the signs, the steals, all that stuff can add up. And if they have that on point, a lot of times that can be the difference. They played us really well last year. We had a big come from behind victory, but it took us, it took like a Herculean effort to come back and knock them out. So I'm really excited by this development because I think it's beyond time that we got some fresh blood at the top it makes the race for those top two spots way more entertaining, even if the White Sox are not one of the two teams that ultimately capture it, because they're going to have a say in who does. And I think that when you look at the league right now, establishing who is for real and who is not, I think that the White Sox have a little bit larger of a claim than the undefeated Braves, who were equally impressive yesterday as they took care of the Tigers with a 10-run victory. The Braves do the right things. Uh, They just kind of play decent winning baseball. They've had an easy schedule to this point and they sit at three, and zero. but don't discount the importance of beating teams that you're supposed to beat because these teams that we think will be competing for maybe the four through six spots in the playoffs, you know, they will beat up on each other, but any loss to a team that's outside the playoff picture is just devastating. And you can only play the teams that are on your schedule, all they really need is one or two upsets of comparable sides that have playoff aspirations themselves. And they should be in a really good spot. As we talked earlier, we think, you know, maybe eight and eight is enough to make the playoffs. Maybe it'll be nine and seven, but they've already got three of those out of the way. Thoughts on the Braves? Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's a very different looking team than it was last year. Um, But yeah, solid. They, they played pretty good defense, and I think that's going to be a big thing. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that roster shifts throughout the season. Um, when I was with them last year, we had some kids from Hope who came over and played, and we rattled off on, you know, 10 in a row um, with those guys playing with us. So I think that's kind of, you know, if they, if they add a little bit of pitching in the middle of the season, they – they could very well be in those top, you know, three or four teams at the end of the year. But it's it's exciting because you now you're looking at, you know, A's, White Sox, Braves, us, uh, Marlins, possibly maybe out of that group, but we don't really know yet. But then Cardinals and Mariners, well, I mean, now we're talking about solid seven teams that are that are winning games and doing it by playing good baseball. The argument for the uh, two divisions is starting to come come together a little bit here yeah i agree the a's as you mentioned took care of business against the pirates uh there wasn't too much drama in that one and then also the padres got the first win of their existence by beating the royals the royals look like they are going to need to get someone on the wrong day maybe to get on the winning side of the ledger Looking ahead to next week, there's a couple things that stand out. First of all, we have White Sox Braves. 
that's a game of three and O teams. Like we just talked about the white Sox have been a bit more impressive, but that's really going to decide some stuff because one of those teams is going to be four and O with a game in hand over each other. The Padres who were tough against the Cardinals last week play the Mariners and the Mariners are one and two right now. They have the Padres and then the week after that, they have the A's. So they better take care of business or we're going to be sitting here going into June and the Mariners are going to be one and four way behind the eight ball with everybody else kind of playing well. So those are the two marquee games for next week. The A's kind of have an easy break by playing the Royals. Pirates power should be kind of one where someone can get a win. And then, of course, we have the Cardinals. What's cool about the depth of the league, and as we've been talking about, with more competitiveness, is you get three or four good matchups every single week. It yep. didn't be the case. It used to be like one good game. There's been more of people sticking around and checking out other games. Now, I would love to do that. The family gets in the way a lot of times, but I think that that's overall really good for the health of the league because it increases camaraderie, but then also it just make, makes it more of an event. So I've been really happy with how much cross-pollination is going on, how we're learning more and more about each other and how it kind of becomes like this all-day event at two venues. Yep. Through that lens, I've been really thrilled. And I think that the changing the game times from 11-2 to 5 to 10-1-4 has made all the sense in the world. And it's just made it much easier to get things done. So through like that lens of like operational integrity, I think this has been our smoothest, cleanest, best year yet. Yeah, that's yeah, I, I think that's true. And and there is a lot of guys hanging out. I mean, that's a great thing. I mean, and, and a lot of people coming out to watch the game too it's not just there were i mean there were what there were 25 30 people watching the game when we played yesterday and that's that's it's good to see and it wasn't even at sullivan where you would expect to see you know the, the, the bigger crowd so um yeah it's exciting man it's it's looking to be looking to be a really good year and and you're right about the, the get i mean i'm i'm sticking around because i want to see the, the baseball it's not just you know Oh, well, I want to want to see how, you know, how, how the game's going to work out. It's like, no, I'm, I'm actually enjoying watching these games because they're being pitched pretty well. The, you know, defense is good. You know, you are, you are seeing, you know, there's some teams with some real, really good hitters. It's fun to watch right now. So rock and roll. Yeah. It, it's uh it's night and day from even a few years ago. And, you know, the fear when you go to 12 teams is that there's going to be a, dilution of talent yeah. that there's going to be yeah. some dormants it looks like there's one or two really weak teams that's going to be that case the case and no matter what type of league you put together but the fact that three quarters of the league is super competitive a team like the power which i think is going to only get better uh yeah. going out throughout the season you know you want to play them early and it's kind of cool too you know, we talk about how like when college teams play each other in college football or whatever, college basketball, these teams, it really depends so much when you face them. Uh, case in point, our first game, that was good for the A's to play us when we hadn't really woke up. Uh, it was better for us to play the power yesterday than maybe game 14 when they have things rocking and rolling. So a lot yeah, you of could nuance. See a team like that, you could see a team like the power sneak up on somebody and nip them. For sure. I mean, I, I was actually kind of surprised that 
it ended up as lopsided as it was because it really did feel like their offense was was capable of keeping up. And I don't say that lightly. I really think that we have the best offense in the league, except maybe the A's on a good, you know, when they've got their full roster and we've got our full roster, you're talking about two really good hitting teams. Um, but I was, I was, uh, I was impressed with, with the powers offense for sure. So we'll see. I think they'll, I think they'll catch some people. Yeah. I can tell you that. Uh, yeah. I was very engaged out there on the mound. Everybody had a really good approach. Everybody swung hard. They were using a bat that I would like to see thrown uh, in hellfire and never return. Uh, there were a couple of times where the ball was hit off the trademark. Uh, one got squared up and came back uh, up the box and I feared for my life, but, uh, you know, sooner or later, I'm going to take a line drive and that's going to be it for me, but I'll, uh, I'll die doing what I loved. Um, well, well, there is some discussion about this becoming a wood bat league in the not too distant future. So with that, if that were to happen, then you can, you can rest assured you won't lose your life on the mound. How do you feel about that? I love it. I think it should be. Uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a baseball traditionalist. I, I don't know if I can say that hundred percent, um, I do love all the bat flipping and all the the uh, the young energy coming into baseball now is good for it, I think. Um, but it's the sound for me. It's the it's the aesthetic of the thing. Um, I do also think that the fact that we don't have rules for bats could very well result in, you know, somebody getting drilled. And I don't want to see that. Um, I just think it's I think it's going to be better. Uh, in the long run to just have that. I know there's, there's, there's a cost associated with that, that, um, you know, we're going to have to come up with some ways to make sure that it is equitable in that way. Um, but I think that also kind of levels the playing field a little bit on that. You know, if you can't afford to spend $500 on a, uh, you know, some crazy composite, God knows what thing that they banned, you know, when I was in high school, I think there's some equity just in, in, in going back to wood. Cause you know, you have to actually square the ball. Up. So I like it. I think it'll be good. Um, I think it'll also bring out more people who uh, just want to see a baseball game that they're going to see a game. That's a little bit more like what they want to go and see to begin with. I think it's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, college baseball took so long to catch on. A lot of people just don't want to hear the, the ping, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, as a, as a pitcher, I would love to see Wood, but I do like that players can come out and hit bombs. You know, this is, after all, just a recreational league, and, and you know, yeah. you give them, incentivize them. Like you said, four home runs by the Cardinals yesterday. You know that those people are going to spend all week knowing that they hit a home run. I don't want to take that away from yeah. that, but I do think, like, there should be some sort of happy medium. The pros, of course, is that the games move move quicker and smoother that there's less runs i would always prefer to play a low scoring game than one that's high scoring i just think the intensity is obviously more intense um and, and things move quicker uh and everything has a bit more of a magnitude so that's a discussion to be had but i think that it's cool that we are tinkering changing some things learning from mistakes and three weeks in i'm really happy with how everything is going and it kind of made like waiting for the season all worthwhile because I do think yep. that it's shaping up to be one that honestly, we might not win the championship, but I think whoever wins this year's championship will probably be the most worthy of all the years because they have had to go through the deepest field. Yeah. I think that's really true. Um, and to your point on the, on the wood bat thing, the farthest 
ball hit yesterday was hit with a wood bat in our game. So, you know, I think the good hitters, it, it makes good hitters shine through a little, a little more. Um, and it means that, you know, the guys who, who aren't as good a hitters are going to be exposed more. So I don't, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing for the games. And you're right about the pace thing. It makes a difference. So yeah, it, it's, uh, I can't believe we're only three weeks in. I, it, it's <laughs> feels like it's been longer, but it, it's, uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm already ready for Sunday. Like, let's go. <laughs> yeah, same here. Well, we will be back next week. We will know a lot more about the league. We will know a lot more about the Cubs. Jeremy Stokes, <laughs> as always, on a Monday, International Baseball League of West Michigan post game. If you haven't come out to a game, if you're in the area and you're driving around, we would love to have you. Uh, it's a really good experience. And I am assuming if we ever get to play at Sullivan, it'll be doubly. So what do you think about the controversy about uh, the commissioner's league, never getting to play at the marquee stadium? I, you know, it's only a controversy if we talk about it, right? Uh, I'm trying to pretend I'm not mad about it. So I'm just going to keep pretending for as long as I can. It's very diplomatic. Uh I will. Hey, man, I'm trying to get at bats right now. What am I going to do? Get mad at the guy? <laughs> right. Good. Good point. Uh, yeah, we'll play anywhere, anytime, any place against anybody. Jeremy Stokes of the West Michigan Cubs International Baseball League. Minute post game. Thanks, man. Hey, appreciate you, Kyle.